0: I think it's because I grew up during the colonial days. In the, in, in those days, the colonial empire, that is the British uh, government, or the British who are in Nigeria, were extremely. Um, uh, what would you say? Were they, they were not? They treated us very badly. They treated us like second-hand citizens or third-hand citizens and therefore, as a very young boy, I grew up to hate it and to be, to be ready to fight it. And the way you can fight it is really to get the education which they are using to fight you. And so I decided that I must come to UK and um, get the education and then uh, come back and fight them. So in
1: 1962, Abiodan Odemosu, a young Nigerian, left his hometown of Lagos and set off on the path that eventually led him to Ireland. At the same time, much further south in Africa, Camilla Dorsey was growing up in the tiny mountain kingdom of Lesotho. I got named Camilla because... It was the thing that was done when you were baptized. You were given the name of a saint. And by a saint, I mean a white person's name. It surprises me that if we were to be given the names of saints, we were not given the names of our own black people whom we believed to be saints because they had lived good lives. But we had to be given the names of white people. And depending on the nationality of the missionary who was in your area, you tended to get a lot of names from that place. Uh, for instance, if the missionary was Irish, there'd be a lot of paddies. And if a missionary was Italian, there'd be a lot of Justinus, Calixtus, and all those Roman names. And for some reason, I was given the name Camilla. Camilla, and most people would say Camillas, but there was a saint, Camilla, who was a French widow. My mother liked the sound of Camilla, and so I got stuck with it. My Sissotu name is Mapasega. I was born on Easter Sunday, and ma, it's just a prefix that would be put in front of most female names, so my name is Mapasega, born on Easter Sunday, the Passover. At Easter, but according to my, uh, according to my baptism register, and by the way, we our births up to then were not registered, only up to a few years ago. So I have no uh, birth certificate so the only certificate that i'd have would be the baptism register on it it says christian name camilla pagan name Mapasega, and that really upsets me because i think of the two names Mapasega is a very it's a it's a biblical name and i know the meaning of it where's camilla a french widow
0: i went back to nigeria in 1979 I secured a job in the University of Nigeria, you know, as a lecturer. And um, I found that things were not as I thought they were. In other words, there are very, very few facilities. There were far too many students for, for a lecturer to teach. And um, I also find to my delight that the children or the students are very, very eager to learn. And they worked very, very, very hard. But I did not expect that the facilities were so bad, you know, when I went home. I left because I was disappointed in my colleagues. I found that most of them were not interested in building the, 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 the country. I found that there were, there were too many selfish ones amongst them. I found that I was odd one, uh, I mean, odd person out, in the sense that uh, they had other interests apart from the academic, you know, uh, profession, which I, I couldn't uh, stand, and I also found that the government was not in in tune with the needs of the of the country, and it was very difficult for me to fight in that situation especially when I'm not, uh, I do not have uh, a wife who is a Nigerian. So when you are married to an outsider, you've got to think about what, how it will affect her when you start fighting for what should be done. I would have stood, I would have waited out in Nigeria to fight it out, but I have to think about my family, so I decided that you know, I better leave for the time being, and later on I will go back when everything is, when they are all, my children are settled, and then I will, f- you know, struggle with Nigerians to build it up.
1: I grew up in a little place called Harabushuti. We were all related. Everyone in that village was related. We all had the same name, and we were all related. The The name was Mapate. Uh, my family, like most families in Lesotho at that time, lost a child. Every family would have lost a child. Uh, So there is four of us now.
0: Uh, I was born in Lagos and I went to school in Lagos. I was in the primary school and I went to um, secondary school in the country but I I was always returning to Lagos because my father had a job in Lagos and uh, we all lived in Lagos.
1: My father Uh, was a small farmer. But in fact, in the village and in most places in Lesotho, when we talk about farmers, farmers are women. Because women are the ones who stay at home. Most men go to work in South Africa. So the running of the homes is done by women. It's the women who decide what they are going to sow in what field. It's the women who decide what school the children are going to. It's women who decide what to do with the money, how to spend it. My father did work in South Africa like many other men in the village. I didn't know him very well because he died when I was small. So I grew up uh, in a female household and I was brought up mostly by my grandmother until such time as I was Older, and then I could go back home. It was the tradition that the eldest girl would be brought up by the 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 grandmother. When my mother, like all the women, when she would have her first baby, that one was brought up by her by the husband's mother. Then the next one would be brought up by the woman's mother. Then the subsequent kids are supposed to be brought up by the woman herself because at this stage she's supposed to be experienced, uh, whereas the others she was being helped. So the the other kids would come back home about when they were a year older or about three years old, they, they all came back home.
0: My father was uh, working with the uh, GB elephant. In other words, he was a produce examiner it was examining cocoa for export and things like that. In tropical climes there are certain times of day When all the citizens retire to take their clothes off and perspire It's one of those rules the greatest fools obey Because the sun is far too sultry And one must avoid its ultraviolet (coughs) rays The natives grieve when the white men leave their huts, because they're obviously, definitely nuts. Mare, dogs and Englishmen go wild in the midday sun. The Japanese don't care to. I went actually on my own. I had no money at all. I had nobody to sponsor me. I just came on an adventure, and uh, I was nearly deported because of the fact that I had no means to keep myself, but I... You know, argued my way through, and then, since then I was uh, successful. I got a job, and then I just went on fighting. You know, I did my A-level as a private student. I was working at the same time, uh, studying on my own, attending some evening classes, and after that I was able to get uh, admission into Portsmouth College, Portsmouth, uh, Portsmouth uh, Polytechnic, where I did uh, pharmacy. Uh, I was there from 1962 to 1970, which would be eight years. I thought that England is made of gold and it's um, beautiful and is the paradise of the world. In fact, there was a saying at home that see London and die. In other words, uh, London is the thing that you must see before you die. But um, I I was disappointed. It wasn't what I thought it was.
1: My mother decided uh, she wanted good education for us and that uh, the world was changing, so she wanted good education for us. And we went to into town, and, but I still ended, after secondary school, I still had to go into a boarding school anyway because um, it was a better school. It was further... And people in Lesotho regard education as a very serious matter. They spend a lot of their salary on education. And uh, I enjoyed my boarding school. I had a lovely time.
0: I was a uh, culture shock because of the... First of all, I didn't expect uh, that uh, uh, life would be so fast there. Also, I didn't expect that uh, there would be racism. You know, which is which is one thing which is really bogged me down. And also, I thought because of the missionaries which we have met, and the, most of them are British which we have met uh, in Nigeria, you would be loved and liked. But this, all this, were just um, myths.
1: I became a teacher because that's what most women did either you went nursing or you went teaching and I went teaching by Lesotho standards our family was better off the, you know the fact that I was able to to afford to go to boarding schools the fact that I was able to train as a teacher you know it that, that was uh, much better but we went we went wealthy by any means my mother had to sacrifice some of the things, as most mothers did, but we didn't starve. When I finished a, a training, I went back to the village where my mother now was, and I taught in the school there. It was almost expected that when I'd finished, I was going to to go into the school in the village because that's what everybody did.
0: I believe that it's a place for me in Nigeria. But unfortunately, at this particular moment, I haven't got very much to offer Nigeria, apart from words. I need need to go back home, study things very, very carefully, come back and then reassess everything and then make up my mind and then say, okay, now I'm back. I know what to do and then we have to do it.
1: I think I was very happy, and what I I enjoyed most, what I didn't know then, was the comfort of being with everybody that you knew most of the time, when you didn't have to be anything, you were just what you were. Everybody knew you from the time you were born, they had been following your progress,
0: I personally wouldn't go and live in Nigeria now, anyway, because my children are already settled here, and I would like them to at least nearly finish their education. But I'm talking in terms of maybe five, ten years' time. You, you know, it won't be something that I would do right now. So, in another five, ten years, I think it's possible my wife would uh, decide that we, you know, we could go and live in Nigeria.
1: to has been insulated uh, from other countries, what it would have been getting would be uh, from South Africa because it's totally surrounded by South Africa. So things that come into Lesotho, things that would influence uh, the the people in Lesotho or not influence them would be S- South African things. And at that time when I was growing up, We weren't looking anywhere. We were happy. The Beatles passed me by. I only heard of them lately. One who didn't pass me by was Jim Reeves. We used to dance to Jim Reeves in the convent and had a wonderful time. Because you see, in this particular convent, the nuns were Americans. And they they brought the the tapes and uh, or the, the records. And we used to hear Jim Reeves on the radio. And so Jim Reeves was the thing. And up to this day, as they like uh, Jim Reeves. Put your sweet lips a little closer Let's pretend that we're together all alone. I'll tell
0: the man to turn the jukebox way down low. And you can tell your friend there with you, he'll have to go.
1: At that time, the lighter, to the skin, the better. I think it was a period where we were all uh, trying to be the same, one big melting pot. Fashions, fashions as to what is the best skin, you know, change. Uh, Even with white people, it changed that at some stage, the browner you were, the more browner, like a dried up old prune. (laughs) You know, the people were giving themselves cancer so that they could be white, and the black people were doing the opposite, using creams to lighten your skin. don't know what we're all looking for. I remember um, wanting to iron, wanting straight hair, because it was the thing to do. But that, that was the fashion then, to have the straighter hair, the better and the, the difficulty you'd have uh, trying to iron your hair. Together
0: all alone, I'll tell the man to turn the jukebox way down low. And you can tell your friend there with you, you'll have... well i Ireland actually was more of an adventure to me adventure in the sense that uh, I've met a lot of Irish people when I was in England. I found them very, very friendly, very nice people and i and they all most of them actually you know encouraged me to come to Ireland. In fact, my landlord was an Irishman and he also encouraged me to come also the second reason is Trinity to college because um I always felt. I was made to believe that Trinity College is the best it's one of the best in the world you know apart from Cambridge and Oxford and if you studied there you would be the most brilliant person in this world you would everything would have been made for you you would be on top of everybody and so I said I must reach that Trinity college and see what what's it all about well I, I first of all applied to study there and the wrote back to me to say that I have to get so many A's, you know, six A's in many, in, in all my subjects. And also they sent me a bundle of uh, papers about the scholars of Trinity College and how difficult it is to get to Trinity College. So I said, oh, my God, this is, this is beyond me. Then when I finished my degree, I wrote to Trinity College, to some of the departments there, for a job. And nobody replied. Then I wrote again. Then I got a reply to work as a demonstrator in the Department of Pharmacology in Trinity College, which I took. And then at the same time, I was asked to if I would like to register for postgraduate, for PhD, which I did at the same time. So I was working at the same time studying.
1: I ended up in Ireland because when I went back teaching, my husband i met my husband who is irish who was working there at the time i met him and uh, eventually we got married i suppose it was always understood according to my culture when a woman married not only did she take a man's name she also went to live with the man wherever his home was it was a little bit like the Irish law that the wife's abode was where the husband is. So I expected we'd come to Ireland, which we did. We'd been married uh, about two years. And when I came to Ireland, we stayed in Dublin, in Dorkey. We stayed there for three months. And my first impressions. Of course was the the beautiful sea, the beautiful the beau the beautiful countryside It was just before Christmas, nineteen seventy and when we left Lesotho, it had been warm, it was summer, and we came to an Irish winter and it was cold, oh boy, it was cold, and at that time. The sun we didn't see the sun for about three months. well, not literally, but we, we hardly saw uh, the, the sun.
0: I thought Dublin was easy going, which it still is. I thought Dublin was quite beautiful, which it is not. and I thought that the Dublin was uh, very highly educated. Uh, uh, city which is partly but not wholly. But on the whole, my impression of Dublin still remains it's very easy going, it's a pleasant place to live. It's um, and it's moderately uh, progressive. and uh, Although it's getting worse, but it's not as bad as many other cities.
1: Oh, when I came, I must say the the members of the family and the family uh, were very good. They were very kind. I was nervous about meeting them. I was nervous as to whether I should come up to the standard they expected. Wondered what they would think of my cooking, my housekeeping. And generally, And I was more afraid of the daughters because I understood what girls young women felt I was more afraid of them. But they turned out to be very nice people. But I remember in those early days terrible, terrible loneliness while I was with people who, who were kind. They were talking about things I knew nothing, the subjects they were talking about. I had no idea what they were talking. And the. in the end... I used to switch off. I remember my first. Um, I remember going to to the Abbey to see one of uh, Sean O'Casey's uh, plays. It was either the Plough and the Stars or the Shadow of a Gunman. I had no clue what was happening. I found it very difficult. I remember reading Ulysses. Oh my goodness! I said. I found it so difficult, and I was, uh, there was just so many things that were different.
0: First of all, I found that the pace of work in this country is very slow, so I had to slow down. When I first came to Trinity, they thought I was mad, because I was working about 16 hours a day, from 8 o'clock to about 12 midnight. And I found many people, when it's about 10 minutes to 5, they take taking their coat and they're gone. So they thought I was mad. So I had to slow down a little bit. Secondly, I found that the uh, Irish don't like people to be outspoken. I am a little bit outspoken. I speak out my mind a lot. So you have to tone down your mind. You have to tone down your, the way you talk and what you say. And you have to be a little bit hypocritical. In order to survive, Uh, I remember when I was in college, uh, I was trying. I was criticizing the setup, the uh, facilities they have in the college in in our department, and I said, "This is very. This is not as good as even a technical college in in uh, in England. You know where I came from is much better than this." And I, I, you know, and people were very, very annoyed about it. You know, and the the they called me and said, "Listen, if you you are not uh, forced to be here, if you don't want to stay, you better clear off." And then my boss told me to be careful, you know, because of, even though he agreed with what I said, what he said, think, you know, those kind of things will be. You have to be a bit diplomatic. So I learned my lesson from then, from from that uh, episode.
1: One of the things that I have learned since coming here that I don't do anymore was to ask women how old they are. Age was was very important when I was growing up because uh, it gave people a respect in, in society. I remember when I first came here at the party, my sister-in-law threw for me, there was this very nice woman Uh, She was one of the nice, uh, important guests. And I wanted to be able to respect her, but to respect her, according to me, I had to know whether she was younger than me or older, so then I'd know where in the pegging order we fit. So I said to her, how old are you? In the middle of everybody, and everybody was listening. I just saw every face go red. So now I don't ask people how old they are anymore.
0: Initially, I thought the, the, the Irish were very, very friendly. You know, in fact, I, I was impressed by what I, my, uh, the Irish when I was in Ireland, who were very helpful to me, and I uh, had a good time. But as time went on, I found that the Irish are very difficult to understand. They are more difficult to understand than the English. It is easy to get to the heart of the Englishman, but it's very difficult to reach the heart of an Irishman. I think because they are very subtle, I think it's because of the religion too. I think you have to be seen to be nice to people, even if you don't mean it. You also have to... You must not say th- things to people that will offend them. So tell them what they would like to hear. All these things you know make one after a long while you know ponder whether one is actually living in the periphery of the of the Irish life or actually inside the Irish life what i'm trying to say is that um, even though you might be a friend to an Irish person now you're not sure whether that friendship is deep it could be deep, but it's more likely to be superficial. They are there. I mean, they, 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 they will help you when you need help. But it, it looks as if to me that they don't want to be deeply committed. So when it comes to actually, if the, if the friendship is growing deep, they would, most people will back away. Either they will not back away uh, they will not back away in order to offend you, but they will use ways and means, very subtle ways and means, to back away. And so you'll find that uh, even though you may have many friends, but you actually don't have very many deep friends. It's easy to make friends in Ireland. I mean, when I came here, I would say the following day I came, I made so many friends. But in fact, they were were just acquaintances. They were not prepared to be, to to, to make it long standing. Another thing I find also is that if you are in, in Ireland for a short time, you can make a lot of friends. If the many Irish feel that you are going to be here for long or even stay, you can bet your life that you will lose your friendship. Your friends, I mean, I think the Irish don't particularly want outsiders to live permanently in their country because that means that their culture will be diluted, that means that they would have to compete for various things, that means that uh, they would other people will be sharing in what they regard as very uh, things which are in short supply, all these sorts of things. You know, and also they are afraid that because of cultural difference that people might think they are mad, you know, all these sorts of things. So they, they, I think they would prefer that you have your return ticket with you.
1: When I came in 1970, I remembered seeing some black people at the College of Surgeons. I never saw any others. There were very, very few. But shortly after that, then, we moved to Cork, where I stayed for eight years. And I enjoyed Cork. After a number of years uh, living in Cork, my husband and myself came to Dublin, and we went long in Dublin when the marriage broke up, and uh, that was a, a traumatic time full of drama and drama, and uh, even when the marriage was over, I couldn't go home for a number of reasons, according to my custom. And culture. When a marry, when a woman marries, she marries for good. Not only does she take the husband's name, she also goes to live in the woman, in the man's, in the husband's place. In that way, it was a little bit like the Irish law, which has just been uh, scrubbed off the books, that the wife's abode is where the husband is. So I stayed.
0: But staying here actually was a coincidence. I decided to stay here when I met my wife, my present wife. I was, I was determined to leave Ireland, to go to Nigeria to work. But two weeks before I left, I met her. And the whole thing changed. Funny enough, my in-laws, my mother-in-law and my father-in-law, God bless them, and may their souls rest in peace, they are dead now. They were very nice. They received me very, very nicely, very comfortably. You know, there was no. They were. They, they did not even think twice about it, when we told them we were. The first time I went to the house, they treated me very well. They, they, you know, all the, her sisters and brothers were all very nice to me, and there was no problem. The problem actually was from my own family. My mother was a little bit worried about it because, first of all, my mother never went to school she wouldn't be able to communicate with my wife, and then she also wanted me to be back home like all mothers would, or parents would, so that I could have my children there and she could look after them and this sort of thing. After about a few weeks, she accepted my wife, and when my wife went home with me to meet her, they were very friendly with each other.
1: I have found, in those early years, I found that the majority of the Irish people were fine but that not all the irish people were fine people i've had some other experiences that have amazed me of a racist nature
0: and i will not say all irish are racist it's very difficult to generalize but some people are racist but it is very difficult to put a figure or to say whether it is whether there are many or there are some, because racism in Ireland is not to be talked about. It's not something that people like to hear, even though it existed. The it is not compatible to Irish uh, philosophy of life, and it's, it's not compatible to Irish religion, and therefore it is not said, but it is very very deep rooted.
1: One time. I was parking a car. I was waiting for somebody to pull out of a parking space and I was indicating to go in. When I see coming around the corner this car coming at a high speed and wanted to get in there, into the parking space that I was waiting for. But because I was there already, I got in first. And... The driver of the of the other car, a man, wound his window down and looked at me and said, "You effing black bitch, go back to Africa." I was I was astounded. I didn't know what to say. I stood there with my mouth hanging open. There were other people who saw what happened. They came and they they were giving out to him, and he left still effing them off. And so that was my first really bad encounter of racism.
0: Uh, I think racism in Ireland is a product of uh, ignorance as well as a product of uh, weakness. You know, I think the Irish were very protective and they are therefore afraid of competition. It is not necessarily because of the color of the skin and in many cases too i think some irish who discriminate don't even know that they were discriminating they they could use words that are extremely racist things words like colored uh, words like negro and still be laughing and smiling about it without you know without knowing that such such uh, words are very annoying to their uh, to their friends, uh, you know. So it, it's not. You see, the, the discrimination, racial discrimination in Ireland is different from the English. It's uh, it's uh, the English one is straightforward. It's, uh, it's uh, dominance is. Uh, to do with um, superiority complex and all these sort of things. But in, in Ireland, I think it's partly due to ignorance and also partly due to inferiority complex.
1: Another time would be when we heard that a certain place, this is in Dublin, this certain place don't like black people. It was a disco. So myself and six Irish women... We decided we'll go to see if it's true. These Irish women were my friends, and they couldn't believe that there was a in Ireland. So between the six of us, we decided to try it out. So instead of arriving with a group of six women together, we divided up into two groups. The first group went up. I was with the second group. They went up, and they entered the disco, while myself and the other two stayed around the corner. Once we were sure they'd gone in, we came up. We arrived at the door, and the bouncers took one look at me and said, members only, with straight face, members only, they said. And my two friends said, are you sure everyone's gone up? there, they said, Member? they said, yes. And we knew... I nearly died.
0: When I applied to be registered, I was told the the procedure. If you are not if you if you are not trained in Ireland, if you do not obtain your first degree in Ireland, you would have to do a certain a few months of apprenticeship before you can be registered, which is correct. But the problem is you would have to apply yourself. You have to look for this place where you're going to do this training yourself. And they will provide you with the addresses to write to. I, all, I wrote to about 99 tutor pharmacists, and not one of them would accept me. In fact, I, I got some replies that were very racist. Some of them wrote back, or some of them phoned. One, in fact, two people phoned me and told me to go back to my country, which was very, very nice, very, very bad indeed. But I must say, the pharmaceutical society, the Irish School society council, was very helpful to me, and they were able to fix me up, to get somebody for you know to to help me out, where I was able to do my training. But this is where, I mean, it was in writing out and applying for this training that I actually tasted the racism that existed in in this country.
1: And when, when racism is against you personally, then you know what you are talking about, whether it's happening in Ireland, whether it's happening in South Africa. The pain is the same. I can't even put it into words. The pain when other people are racist towards you. I can't even describe, it's indescribable. You've got to feel it to experience it.
0: I'm always homesick. But what I tell myself was that I could, e- live, I, I could easily live in Nigeria while I'm in Ireland. I could easily put Nigeria into Ireland and live in it. And also, I found there are some similarities between Ireland and Nigeria in this in the way we do things. Easygoing, um, lot of small I mean, a, a small group of people monopolizing the richness of the country. This kind of thing is more or less similar. So you more or less feel you are in Nigeria when you are in Ireland. So the being homesick is not too serious.
1: When I could sell all of this island to get to Lesotho, I get very homesick. I miss the people. I miss the sense of humor of the Basotho people. I miss the the community spirit of the Basutu people. I miss even physical, the physical country. I miss the mountains. I miss the sun. I, I miss the crispness of the winter mornings, the snow and the ice. I miss all that in Lesotho. I get very, very homesick at times. But that's life. You just get on with the next thing, and life goes on.